Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Holiday, a practical guide for making the holidays holy days. And we are now 32 days away from the new year and um, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, I hope you had a great one. It is actually the day after Thanksgiving today. And I just want to remind us of what we are doing. I wanna help us to reset because sometimes Thanksgiving can be a bit distracting, even though it is good. It can distract us and um, we have to get our minds back focused. So what we're doing is we have embarked upon a journey. It is a holy journey. And what we have said is that we're going to set apart these last few days of the year in order to make them holy, in order to give God the chance to make us more holy. So we do that in a couple ways. One is that we commit to him some specific practice that we're going to try to take up. And hopefully through those little things, he'll be able to make us more holy. Um, similarly to a musician practicing scales, we're hoping that we gain holiness through these small little practices that we do. It's a practical guide. We practice holiness. And then the other way is we've been making our way through the Psalms of Ascent. And it's a journey that the Israelites would take every single year. They would make the ascent into Jerusalem. And so we've been following the songs that they wrote that are um, starting in Psalm 120 through 135. And we are using them as a guide to make our own ascent into the new year, into 2020. Hopefully, um, we are hoping that by the end of this year, we will be starting 2020 more holy than we started 2019. The idea is that we would consecrate ourselves and purify ourselves and be ready and fit for service in the kingdom at the January 1, 2020. So we've been following these Psalms of Ascent and it really has been an incredible guide this year. So cool. So we started in Psalm 120 and we made our way through Psalm 122. And so just to catch you up on that, because we're going to start 123 today, we ended by talking about how uh, in Psalm 122, it talks about our secondary identity, which is our identity as the body of Christ. Now, our primary identity is in Christ alone, but our secondary identity is in his body. And we talked about how when uh, as the year progresses, things can build up in our hearts, um, little things with other people, maybe um, in the body of believers, that cause us to be not um, at rest or to be re excited or to rejoice when we come together for collective worship. And we talked about getting rid of those things and really resolving those things, making having the conversations we need to have to get any little thing out of our heart that's keeping us from being completely united in mind and thought with the other people in the, in the body. So we talked about that concept, but then, um, in, in resolving some of those things, those things, you can realize that some of those wounds were deeper than you thought. And so in the last video, we took the time to talk about um, wound care in itself. And what do you do when you have real-time wounds that you're trying to um, heal from? And we went back to the cross looking at that incredible phrase that by his wounds we are healed and looked at how Jesus's example shows us how to heal from those wounds and how instead of um, picking up our weapons of retaliation and resentment and um, bitterness and selfishness and pride and all those things that um, we can tend to pick up, instead crucifying those things, um, getting rid of those things, and instead of picking up, instead of that, picking up righteousness and praying for our enemies and forgiving and re-forgiving and extending grace and humility and love. And each time we do those things, each time we have a specific righteous act, it is like putting salve on our the wounds of our soul. And so we get to participate in our own healing. 
Um, and we're going to pick up there. Actually, believe it or not, 123 is going to pick up right after that. And um, we're going to talk about this thing. There's a danger. Anytime you're trying to deal with deep wounds in your life, there is a danger that as you are looking inward and you're trying to resolve these things, that you will sort of spiral down into a it's a it's a spiral of self really and you're it's very easy to slip down into depression or despondency it is that thing that Corey Ten Boom says look within and be depressed if we spend too much time in introspection looking at self we somehow get dragged down there's a couple of things you can do to safeguard yourself against that if you know that you're going to have to deal with some deep wounds you can make sure that you First of all, have people, your emergency disciple people who have, you know, they have your right hand and your left hand and they, you know, vow to you that they'll pull you up if you get too far down into self. Um, another way is to give yourself a time limit. And I've seen it happen too often that as people start to embark on this sort of journey of grief or they're trying to deal with old griefs or, or, or resentments or whatever, that they sort of pull back and they continue to pull back and pull back. And pretty soon they pull away for the fellowship. They pull away altogether too far and they, they shipwreck their faith. And that's a real danger. And I want to help us safeguard ourselves against that. And that's what this lesson is about. In, it's starting in Psalm 123. 123, 124, and 125 give us a really good guide. Um, it's three points. 123 talks about focusing up. Um, 124 talks about remembering the miracles, glance back. And then um, Psalm 125 talks about trusting for the future, trusting in the promises for the future. So we're going to talk about these three things today, and hopefully they will safeguard us as we make this journey. So in um, Psalm 123, before you read this, I want to tell you about uh, where this this idea of healing sort of uh, took a turn this week. And I started realizing that, you know, there. I talked about in the last video this concept that, you know, there is a time for God to console us, for him just to kind of rub our back while we're crying. And I talked about that, picturing that with my daughter, just hugging her and, and letting her cry. It's not the time for her to go do something. But that's just the beginning of healing. That consolation from God is just the beginning of healing. There is... There, has to be the second step where we actually get out there and do something. We have to do the hard things that help us to resolve. We have to have the hard conversations. We have to go back in. We have to fight our fears and we have to fight through our, our, our embarrassment and all our pride and all that kind of stuff. That stuff has to happen. This is sort of the butt kicking time. <laughs> and that is the truth. I hate to, I don't, don't be mad at me, but there is a time that we have to, that's why this is called a kick in the pants. We have to go get up. We got to get up and continue to deal. It is hard work to deal. And um, I was sort of uh, helped in this concept this week because I discovered this incredible documentary that I totally recommend that you watch. Please watch it. It's called Charged, and it's on Netflix. You have to watch it. It's about this guy, this outdoorsman in Montana who actually got electrocuted by touching a, a dead bear. And it's about his recovery um, that takes a long time. You know, when you're recovering from an injury that great, I mean, he should have died, but when he didn't, and he lost, and he, yeah, I don't, I don't want to ruin it for you, but he lost a lot. But in this process, it shows his recovery, and it takes. I mean, I, I was watching this video. It was at least four years since his recovery began, and you know, it just helped me to remember. You know, we we so want the quick fix these days. We want the movie. Uh, we want the scene, you know, the music scene where it's like they all of the recovery is done in three-minute music scene, um, 10 years worth of work. But we have to remember that it takes time to recover. It takes a lot of hard work. There was a lot of tears. He shed a lot of tears, yes, but he also did a lot of hard work to recover. And that's really what we have to do, too. We have to expect that it takes work to recover. We have to fight. 
we have to fight for it's a soul survivor that's really what we are we're soul survivors we have to fight as survivors would fight for the 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 salvation of our souls and so this is called a kick in the pants because that is what we need sometimes so watch that documentary you are going to love it but if you do parents you, our whole family watched it but i want to warn you there's one little thing there's brief nudity there's this one part where he had taken a picture and it shows it and you're like ah what am i watching um and then there is a lot of cussing because it's not a christianized um documentary it is just um a, a documentary about healing and it it's worth it but just i just wanted to give all the parents that warning in case you want to um, figure that out so in Psalm 123, it sort of starts this concept of the hard work we have to do to uh, work through our recovery. It says, I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. We keep looking to our Lord, our God, for his mercy, just as servants keep their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy, for we have had our fill of contempt. We have had more than our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. Okay, so Psalm 123 here, it says, I lift my eyes. You know, this is something I say all the time. We've got to focus up, focus up. He says uh, in the second verse, he says, we keep looking to the Lord, our God, for his mercy. And it is something that we have to repeatedly do day after day. You know, when we are trying to deal with stuff, it, we can get too focused on the horizontal. And I know I say this all the time, but it's too, we, if we spend too much time thinking about what happened to us and what we said and what we did and how we've hurt our, you know, all, all the mistakes we've made and all, this, all the things that people have done to us, becomes this horizontal focus and we can get dragged down into depression. We have to continually focus up and get our mind set back up on God. Focus up vertically, get your mind off the horizontal and focus up. And it says, just as, our, just as servants keep their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. And that's why I like the NLT here. It really speaks to me to being able to watch God for the slightest little thing that he's doing. Watching, being awake. You know, what does it say? Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. You know, God is trying to wake us up. This is even the concept that we're getting ready to um, enter into Advent. The idea of Advent is to be ready and waiting for the second coming. We remember the first coming, but we are waiting for the second coming. We are the ten virgins, virgins who kept their lights burning. That's what Advent is: is being wa watching and um, uh, being watchful and awake, and um, you know that concept of um, being alert because your enemy. Um, the devil is is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, you know, so we have to stay alert and awake. We have to be watching for what God is doing. And also for the slightest thing, you know, when you when God is trying to move mountains in your life, when there's big things going on in your life, you really do have to get satisfied with letting him answer teeny prayers in your life. You know, I know the other day I was praying for a certain relationship and um, I realized I was just wanting the whole thing to be fixed, you know, big, big fixes. And I realized, I was like, you know what, God? Just please, can you have them text me? Just a little text. It Just show me that you're there. The slightest, just show me. Just show up in a way that only I would know. And of course, in his kindness, he allowed that. And I got this text like, thank you, God. And you know, you only you know those things that are just between you and God, that you can ask for a little sign. God, just give me a little sign that you hear me and that you're there, that you haven't abandoned me, that you're with me. And watch for those signs. Then it says, have mercy on us. Oh, Lord, have mercy, for we have had our fill of contempt. And, 
you know, a couple of things about this, a couple of things that we can glean, practical things, is we have to remember every single day that we live at the mercy of the King. He is the King. We have breath in our lungs because He gave it to us. We, we are not entitled. We don't have, uh, God owes us nothing. We're not owed tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. We have today. And if you have breath in your lungs, it's because at the mercy of God. And we have to realign ourselves with that. That's the proper stance before God. It's the proper stance before a king. You know, in America, we don't know what it is to have a king. It's not something that we're familiar with. Um, the only reason I know anything about it is because I watch way too much British television and all the, uh, you know, period pieces. I love them. But I... The thing that I have learned through watching that is the is the deference and the, the respect that people give a king. And I have learned that through watching that. And it has helped me to understand what my relationship with God needs to be. He is my king. I bow before him. He decides if whether I live or die. I live at his mercy. And, I, and that is the proper stance to have with him. And then it says, um, for we've had our fill of contempt. And in this particular passage, it's talking about the contempt from the outside, the persecution that they've been receiving. But I think for me, where it landed for me this time was just, you know, I get sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm kind of sick of myself. I'm just, you know, sometimes you just spend too much time in self and it, I'm sick of it. I'm filled with contempt for it. I just want to get out of it. God, get me, get my mind off myself get my mind back up onto God. It's almost impossible to be giving praises to God and to be worried about self and to be depressed at the same time. We got to get our minds focused back up. We have to realign ourselves at, at, that we live at the mercy of the King and get sick and tired of being sick and tired. So it's time to, you know, you sort of have to kick your butt like that's it. Get up, Tracy, get up. So that's Psalm 123, focus up. Psalm 124 says, what if the Lord had not been on our side? Let all, all Israel repeat, what if the Lord had not been on our side when the people attacked us? They would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. The waters would have engulfed us. A torrent would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Praise the Lord, who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Our help is from the Lord who made heavens and earth. And this is this concept of looking back and going, good grief, what if God hadn't been with us? You know, we can look back at our lives. I have this practice that I do every year, and that's to read back through my journal from the year. Starting in January of last year, just reading back through it to remember all the ways that God came through for me that year. And you'll forget them, but you'll be amazed when you read and go, that's right, I can't believe it. Yeah, he fixed that, and he fixed that, and he fixed that. You have to be reminded of the miracles, the miracles of God. This is even going back, way back. You know, we can remember, where would we be without God altogether? But even over the past year, where would you have been without God? Um, it could have been a lot worse. And this is a really important concept to think about. Like where, you know, I, I, I can tend to complain about the things that happened this year like this, but what if God hadn't stayed by myself? I could be divorced right now. I could be going through things that are, but you know, that are a lot worse, but my marriage has gotten better this year. I mean, thank you, God. That's only through God. Um, you know, I, I have friends. I had two friends this year who lost their children to, to overdose, you know, and I, you know, I can be worried about my kids and parents. You can, you can relate to this. You know, you can go through times where you're really worried about your kids and you're, oh, but you know what? I am lucky 
to get to have my kids to worry about right now. And I have to remember that, that this could be a lot worse for me. You know, I just got back from El Salvador and, you know, visiting this family whose child was born. They have two children, a 13-year-old, seven-year-old, and then they had a newborn this year. But there was a complication with the pregnancy and through mistakes at the hospital, they've actually, their child has is brain damaged and they've been in the hospital every day for a year. And if you can imagine that how, the, the, the struggle of that. You know, it's, I come back from El Salvador just going, yeah, I'm never gonna complain about another thing <laughs> in my life because you do have to remind yourself of that, that it could be a lot worse. I can remember when my daughter clued into this concept, she had had a, she had a tumor. I probably told the story before, but she had a tumor in her hip and she had to be in, in the hospital, at Children's Hospital for a long time. And it was scary and it was hard and she had IVs and she was really distraught and it was hard. But I can remember um, when, you know, she was walking through Children's and she got to see a lot of other kids that were a lot worse off than her. And she saw this girl one time that had an IV in her neck. And I remember her turning to me and going, Mom, I could have an IV in my neck. I'm really lucky. And I was like, that's right. You got it. That's how you do it. You remember, I am lucky. And I challenge you to do this. Look back through your year this year. If you have time to read back through your journal, read back through your journal. Remember all the ways that God has come through for you this year. This is a common practice that God tells us to do all the time. Remember, remember, remember. Remember how he has saved you this year and remember what it would have been like without him. Always remember it could be worse. This is a holy practice that we have to do. So, yes, we glance back, we look back to see how God has been with us to remind ourselves. And then in 125, it says, Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Just as the mountains surrounded Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. The wicked will not rule the land of the godly, for the godly might be tempted to do wrong. O oh Lord, do good to those who are good, whose hearts are in tune with you. But banish those who turn to crooked ways, O oh Lord. Take them away with those who do evil. May Israel have peace. And there is so much in here. I encourage you to rewrite it for yourself and to really get into it. But if you want to sum up 125, it is trust. Trust in God. Trust in His promises for the future. He is trustworthy. You know, at this journey that we're, that we're walking, we don't get to know the future. And, you know, amen. We don't need to know. It's that way. Why do you need to know? We do not need to know the future. And you have to continue telling yourself that. You don't need to know how it's going to work out. All you need to do is the next right thing. You know, I went to see Frozen 2. Those of you that have seen it know, I went to see Frozen 2. I'm not exactly a great fan of it, but I knew my daughter would like to go, and so we went. But I'm so glad I went. It, first of all, it's really good. But Anna, her character development is so great, and she has this one time where, you know, she, she just feels like all is lost. Her heart is broken. And she sings this song, and she keeps saying, I'm just going to do the next right thing. And you know what? There are times in our lives, disciple, where you just need to do the next right thing. I can't tell you how it's going to work out. I can't even tell you that it's going to work out the way that you want it. You know, there's tons of times where things don't work out the way that we think that they should. But that, that is God's prerogative. 
We live at the mercy of the king, don't forget. He has these plans. He has plans to prosper us. He's looking at the long haul. He's looking at eternity. He's looking at forever, as it says. He's not just looking at the next week, the next day, the next year. He's not just looking at that. He's looking at what's best for you forever. All you have to focus on is doing the next right thing. Sometimes being a disciple just comes down to staying faithful for one more day. All you have control over is you today. And sometimes it comes down to being faithful for just the next hour. And that's okay. There are times like that. You know, there. Um, watching that video, the things that stuck out to me were the number of times that he said, "It's I'm lucky to be alive. That was one thing. He's like, it's better to be injured than, you know, to have injuries than to to be dead. I'm lucky to be alive. And the other thing was just how many times he was just doing the next thing. He had no idea. Am I going to be able to use my hands? Am I going to be able to have a job again? Am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to? He had no idea. He just had to do the next thing that was on the agenda. Many, many tears, but keep moving forward. And I think that Psalm 123, 24, and 25 really help us to, to have that, to really just to to kick us, to give us the kick in the pants that we need. We need to get up. We need to focus up. You find yourself getting too depressed, get your mind off of the horizontal, get it back onto the vertical. If you need some, you know, reminders, you need to look back and you remember, God has always come through for you and he's not going to stop doing that now. And then we look to the future. The only thing that we need to think about the future is to remember that we can trust in his promises. You know, something that we've been practicing in our family right now, and I'll just end with this, is this concept of the best case scenario. And what that means for us is that we go, you know, we don't know exactly how everything's going to work out. We can't predict what 2020 is going to hold, 2021. We don't have no idea. But we are going to trust that God is going to work out everything for our good, as it says in the Bible, that he's going to work out everything for the good. And we're going to proceed through life with the best case scenario in mind. Let us picture that God is going to work everything out, that everything is going to land in a good place, that we are going to have all that we need for life and godliness, which is another promise, right? And so we are going to proceed in that manner. We are not going to plan for the worst. We're going to plan for the best. And we are going to go through the next hour or the next day with the best case scenario in mind. So I don't know where you are right now, disciple, but this hopefully will help you no matter where you are, whether you're dealing with really deep wounds or whether you're just on the, you know, at the top of the mountain right now, wherever you are to just do the next right thing. And I hope that something, I don't know if it's that you need to focus up more. I don't know if it's that you need to take the time to really look through your old journals and think about the past, vic of the past miracles, or if you need to just trust God with tomorrow and do the next right thing. But I hope this video helps you. Until next time.